feel like I'm just slowly giving up on my one job. <laughs> just mailing it in. Uh, what, one job, Chase. What is going on, everybody? Once again, coming at you from the Cody CrossFit Fitness Pal podcast studios. <laughs> we now have a corporate sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey man, these guys must be, it must be the wee hours of the morning with the way this is going so far. I know, they're so chipper and just ready to go, full of energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last conversation we had about the culture code surprised me a little bit because we were all three really into this Well-versed on the book. Very <laughs> rarely right. am I well-versed on anything yeah. we talk about. I'm just like the, oh yeah guy? Yeah, yeah, but you know, sometimes you stumble uh, across a book that really changes how you view life. That's what Hunter was saying. And, Actually, it was true there. So where are we headed this week? What, what do we have for our customers? Well, speaking of books that really change your perspective on life, Carrot Top has a biography out now. Oh, oh man. That is revolutionizing. Put that on the top of my list. Yeah. Is that guy still recognizable? Dude, I mean, Do you know what that dude looks like now? He's freaking swole. It yeah. looks like he did cocaine for all, yes, Is forever. that how you get swole? It's one it's, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a different kind I'm of swole. Talk about pre-workout. <laughs> C4. That's right. Got yeah. nothing on it. Yeah. I think you guys had a, a topic for us. Yeah, What what is our topic, Ben? Yeah, well, so here's what we're... We got to kind of gently walk into this topic. Mm. Okay. Because so people don't cut it off. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what we need to say about this topic is actually one of the dominant keys for success if you aren't comfortable with this idea, then you're not going to make it where you want to go, not only in your life, especially in your fitness journey. You have to be comfortable with this idea, but most of us have not been taught to be. Calisthenics. So, yeah, yeah. Sit and be fit is what we're talking about. <laughs> no. uh, so here's the word. Brace yourself, everyone. Vulnerability. Wow. Oof. <laughs> vulnerability wow I'm right, cutting so, this thing off yeah no 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 listen this word is like all the rage right now okay vulnerability. everybody's talking about vulnerability what it means what it doesn't mean how it's good for you how, sh how we should have more of it I mean look let's be honest the, the temperature of our nation right now here in the United States we're really trying to uh, swing the pendulum back the other direction <laughs> So we're talking a lot about things that maybe haven't been on everybody's radar, but this one word vulnerability, and it, and it hasn't hurt anything that Brene Brown, who had one of the like most watched TED Talks ever in the history of the world, mm -hmm. talked about this as well. She's a researcher. Everything that she talks about and writes about is based on multiple, multiple years of research. So it's very trustworthy, yeah. which is a big thing for us these days. Uh, but she's brought a vulnerability kind of to the front of the national conversation. And we're intrigued by it here at Coyote because we've figured out this is a big thing for us inside of our fitness journey. So I think today what we'd like to do is talk about the, the, what vulnerability isn't, okay, and then move into what it, what it is, which will probably be the more interesting part of the discussion, and then wrap it up with what does that mean for us when we hit the gym the next yeah. time we go to the gym. Yeah, how does it apply to fitness? So yeah. how hand-in-hand hand is this going to walk with uh, culture code? Since he's the back of back, back yeah. Of back well, of it does actually tie together uh, inadvertently, but mm -hmm. you have to bring uh, Lencioni. Are you familiar with Lencioni? I've heard you talk about uh, him a yeah, lot. Yeah, so he, he has, he's written what twenty something books about yeah. business. Um, he's he's one of the most well known business um, what's, what's gurus. Guru, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. 
Um, he's got a, uh, what's it, uh, he goes in and helps businesses. Out. Consultant. Consultant, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah, one yeah. of the most well-known business consultants in the world, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man, we're, <laughs> that word eluded us there. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, so, but, so he's taking his knowledge and he's putting it, put it in a lot of these books, but he's um, let out a few books recently talking about this principle. So let me just lay this out for you. This is how it connects. Many of us believe that you build an, env uh, an environment where you have vulnerability, where you've established trust already. Okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of people make that mistake. What Lencioni points out is that, no, 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 no. First you're vulnerable, then you create There's trust. There's no trust without vulnerability. Yes, he calls it vulnerability-based trust. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the connection. Uh, in Culture Code, trust was a big part of that. Vulnerability was a big part of that book. We just didn't have time to, to focus on it much. Yeah. Um, so having, having good teams, but also having good approach to your life requires vulnerability. So let's discuss, and this is, I think this will be interesting as, as three dudes sitting around a microphone, you know, what have we been taught that vulnerability actually is? Well, I want to go back to the Brene Brown thing because if she has a, a special on Netflix and she talked about it and she talked about her TED talk and how that came about. Um, but she talked about vulnerability and she's like, everybody knows me as a vulnerability thing. But the reason I did that is because I was studying all these studies and successful people and all this type of stuff and she kept coming back to the one common denominator was vulnerability and when she said when she found out about it she was like no it can't be this like it has anything but this like I don't want to be vulnerable I don't want to have to do vulnerability and then she said after 10 years of of working of work on the su subject she was finally able to start being vulnerable so she is like the the leader in the vulnerability charge right now but she was the the one that did not want to do it the most and she struggled yeah. with it the most so I think you know that kind of lays the groundwork groundwork of the reason we talk we're talking about vulnerability because it's so important um, to every aspect of life yeah and her research leads her to that place a lot actually yep. I've been I'm re reading a lot of her lately and she lets the research take her where it goes you know it, even if at times it really could uh, compromise her fame I don't know that she would call it that but this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, but this mm. is what the research shows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we're kind of moving into that space, too, to say, uh, all right, I'll put up a fitness podcast. We're talking about vulnerability. What's going on here? Yeah, What's wrong yeah, with right, these guys? Right, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get there, but we have to lay the groundwork of saying there's a reason why people hesitate, even Brene Brown, to say, oh, my gosh, not this, not vulnerability. I think people think of vulnerability as weakness. Um, people are going to use it against yeah, you, whatever. Yeah, you know. it's like I don't want to show... <clears throat> A chink in my armor because then somebody else is going to use that against me down yep. the road and I yep. think we're probably taught that at a very young age you know uh, you're in school you're picked on for your biggest weakness and people prey on those weaknesses and they look for it because everybody else is insecure and vulnerable and so we learn early on to let me protect myself and put my armor on so that uh, that I can't uh, nobody can hurt me but what happens is we end up isolating ourselves and we're not we can never develop a deep connection with anybody. We can never reach our full potential because we're so closed off to not only developing deep relationship with somebody, but also from learning about ourselves uh, and learning on what we need to work on ourselves to to, to progress. Yeah, she says, um, I, don't, I can't remember what book it's in, but <clears throat> I was- I read so many. I've read so many books lately. Uh, but she says, here's the problem with saying that you have um, thick skin is that it, does, it doesn't let things in, but it also doesn't let things out. Right. That thick skin keeps things, things in. And like, man, that's really true, and especially here in the American South. I mean, I think you're right. When, when we hear vulnerability, we automatically go to the hero 
enemy context. Mm -hmm. Like the hero is trying to find out the weaknesses or the vulnerabilities of the person that he's trying to conquer or defeat. I mean, that's kind of, and that's kind of a well, classic the story. The Trojan War, uh, yeah. the Iliad, you know, Achilles. Achilles' is a, a vulnerability was his Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. And so, he, you know, that was the only part of, of his body where the armor wasn't covering that, and that's how he died. And so that's where yeah. we're always like, well, i got to cover everything up because I can't, I can't let anybody find anything to use against yeah. me. Yeah, so to actually move into uh, a space where we're talking about being vulnerable, the first pushback is that it feels weak, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think the second pushback that most people feel is that it automatically means that suddenly you're going to be crying somewhere, you know, <laughs> with a big mm -hmm. crowd of people, and you're just going to be overly... Being vulnerable means that you have to be overly emotional. Yeah, and that's not, not the case at all, but that's it's, it's also okay for to cry. It's sure. okay for guys to cry, men to cry. It's okay for anybody. It's healthy for you to cry. Right, but, right. But, those tear ducts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, th I think that, yeah, I mean, people will look at it and think, you know, it's just, uh, I don't want to go to this this group and be vulnerable, where people are going to talk about vulnerability and, and it's just a bunch of bunch of hoo-booing and blaming other people for your problems and all that type of stuff. Hoo-booing. <laughs> <laughs> But mom and dad didn't love me. Hoo booing is a little different than boo hooing. Hoo booing happens before you boo. It's when the drool happens. Yeah, yeah. But that's definitely the misconception. Like, oh my gosh, vulnerable. We're gonna be talking about feelings and you know what happened. What's a feeling? What I don't like those. I feel hungry. Yeah, I feel angry about this vulnerability. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's honest pushback. I mean, there, and a lot of it's because there have been these subcultures that have been created. Like, oh, we're just gonna share our feelings. We're gonna talk about how everything makes us feel and. We associate that with vulnerability because it's so other than. So, I think those are probably the top two, you know, pushbacks against vulnerability. I think so. So, and especially for guys, like it's so yeah. masculine. It's so I'm. I don't need any help. I got it all figured out. And that's what's been modeled for us, like on movies. Like look at John Wayne or, you know, James Bond or anybody like that. They're all off saving the world on their own. They don't need anybody's help. Yeah. And they just laugh at everybody else who's who's helping them or trying to help them and. They don't have any. They don't. They don't. You know. They they constantly have their guard up. They don't let anybody in. They keep everybody at arm's length. Yeah. And so we think that's the way you're supposed to go through life. But then what you find out is, it's a very lonely place mm. to keep everybody at, at at arm's length. Yeah, I, I think the last thing I would bring up here at this point of the conversation is, uh, vulnerability is also very closely connected with the truth, and the truth is that's just scary by itself mm -hmm. you know so yeah. you you got three pretty significant roadblocks culturally to have to, to have to jump over to to get around this idea of vulnerability that's a really good good point and we kind of talked about this a little bit last episode but like really taking a look at yourself and being honest with who you are mm. and that's scary cuz you don't you know, we all have this this image of ourselves that you know we're playing in our head over and over again but that's not the reality most yeah. of the times, you know, and, and actually taking a step out of our, 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 our bodies and looking at from the outside in, see how other people view us or how we actually are can be a very terrifying thing. Yeah, I think the thing that stops me as far as the truth is concerned, just to dive into this, to, to be vulnerable for a moment, uh, most times it means that I have to admit that I don't know. And I don't like that. <laughs> I like to know. That's just my personality. Yeah. Uh, so to have to say at some point in time, usually 
once a day to be able to admit to someone around me, man, you know, I really don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go figure that out. For me, I think it's not being in control and like, I just always want to think that I have control of my life and I'm in control of my destiny and I'm in control of, of my, my job and the business and my relationships and all that type of stuff. And it's scary to admit like, you know what, I'm not like, all, you know, I'm not in control. And it's really hard to, to, to take a step back and say, you know, you, know you, you can do everything right by the book and still fail. Um, just or you can do everything wrong and succeed. You know, it's it's a lot of times it's it's never up to you completely. You know, yeah. you you don't ever have full control of anything. Yeah, control is an illusion. So, right, we get we're getting the car before the horse just a touch. So let's yeah. say let's define because we're starting to practice it a little bit, which is a good <coughs> sign, I think. We've yeah. we've really embraced this. We're gonna practice yeah, like right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So vulnerability, if it's if it's not those things that are caricatures of it, you know, what is it actually? Let's try to work a definition out here to help people who are thinking, okay, well, if this is going to help me being vulnerable, it's not those things, what is it? I think uh, it's to know and to be known. Um, to me... Fully. Fully. Well, man, man, yeah. all the way fully. Yeah. You know, that's reserved for some specific people, but yeah. more than culture. But is there somebody in your life who knows, or a couple people in your life who know literally everything about you? Or is, is there parts of you that you're hiding from every person that you know mm. and um, same thing is there somebody in your life that you know everything about them um, and that you can tell them literally anything and know that they are not going to judge you for it or hold it against you or store bolt. away store yeah <laughs> bolt run away or store to store it in their in their quiver and pull it out five years later and shoot you with it you know yeah yeah boy that's real talk right there it is yeah yeah so <clears throat> i think that's a great definition you knowing and, and being known um you know it kind of goes along with the definition of intimacy which intimacy is kind of the ultimate expression of vulnerability yeah. so you have to move into that i bringing back up Brene brown uh it's just hard to discuss this word without talking about mm -hmm. her uh she's really kind of cornered the market on talking about this in an intelligent way one thing that impresses me about some things that she writes is she's talking about everybody from kids in elementary school to the most elite fighting forces in the United States all have to exercise vulnerability. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, it, what really arrested me was putting those two groups together, like going to elementary school, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> I know what that, being vulnerable there, I know what that yeah. feels like. Yeah. But then you think about an elite fighting force before they drop in, wherever they are, they are exercising vulnerability. They they're, are. They're like, you know what? If I'm going to make it through this, I've got to trust the person next to yep. me. We've spent time learning who, who this person is. They know who I am. What we assign is courage. She points out that, yes, courage is present, but courage is being vulnerable enough to acknowledge fear and to push past fear and to have an experience with other people. Mm -hmm. and that, that's kind of a scary thing because, you know, uh, you do feel for just a brief moment of vulnerability that you're all alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know, speaking of control, I don't know which way this is going to go. Yeah. But I'm going to take the step to go out there. So that, it's it's brave. That's like, you know, the, the SEAL, SEAL model that everybody has a different part to play in the mission and being vulnerable 100% is trusting the guy next to you to do his job because, you know, say the guy behind you who's guarding your six, if he doesn't do his job, like you could get shot in the back and that's it for you. 
but and but then that's just being completely and totally vulnerable. I'm gonna do my job because I know I'm not. I, if I don't do my job, somebody else is gonna pay the price. But I'm also gonna trust my my guy behind me to do his job because that's gonna protect me. And yeah. that's I think that's just the ultimate embodiment of vulnerability is is a mission like that. Yeah, I agree with that. We've we've talked about in some circles that I run in that vulnerability helps us fight the right fight. I think in my life when I'm, when I'm not being vulnerable that I'm fighting these shadow fights to try to prop up what I think other people need to perceive about me. Mm-hmm. And all the while I've got this stuff going on internally and, and that's, it's man stuff, you know, it's real stuff, but I feel like, man, if I admit that, I'm admitting weakness. So I can't do that, so I gotta go over here and do this other thing. And I end up expending way more energy not being vulnerable than I would being vulnerable. It's uh, It just makes me fight the wrong kind of fights. And man, I can get caught in pretty negative cycles uh, for really long periods of time. And it, it starts affecting my daily rhythms, which is a big problem for me. You know? I think what happens is you get so caught up in not wanting to uh, to, to keep everybody at arm's, arm's length. And so you just get caught up in keeping everything inside and so you get so bound up and, and you get angry almost because you don't want other people to know and you're trying to justify why they don't, you can't talk to them about this and then you just start playing these mind games with yourself and you're just yeah. using up all your energy doing that and, and instead of just kind of letting it out and talking with somebody. Yeah, this is a big point that you make just about life approach. Something you've been talking about a lot recently is that we have a limited amount of energy to expend every day, mm-hmm. you know, and we've got to put that energy in the right places. Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're doing things, you brought up Fitness Pal earlier, Chase. If we're if we're trying to pay attention to our nutrition, we're trying to develop healthy patterns in our life. We have to give our best that, that we can give when we walk into a gym. If we're constantly fighting these fake fights, you know, and this mental stuff that nobody else even knows about, that we're we're literally draining the tank. Mm-hmm. And we're affecting the things that we're even doing habitually to try to bring good stuff into our life. It's just not going to bring the benefits that we're hoping that, that it brings, you know. So vulnerability, I think, is pushing past that point of fear and believing that sharing the truth with somebody or listening to the truth from somebody is going to get you to where you want to go much mm-hmm. faster. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's why I think we need to start talking about this more, not. Not just in like gym circles or you know in a bro sesh, but we need to be talking about this as adults, you know, as people who are pursuing goals. Because one thing you could say about the people of Coyote Fitness, if you're involved with this, then you are chasing a goal, mm-hmm. you know. And we want to use every available resource to get to that goal faster, mm-hmm. not to finish the race, but so that we can set new goals and we can pursue those as well. Yeah. Vulnerability is a big part of that. I think it's so important to realize that that is the missing piece for so many people and that they are not willing to be vulnerable and go up to a coach and say, look, I I just can't do this on my own. Like, what am I doing wrong? Can you tell me? And, we, and they will actually listen to what the coach says. Because a lot of times, you know, uh, somebody will ask a coach what they're, what, why are they not getting it, but they get an answer they don't want to hear. Oh, that's not it. They, you know, that's, that, that can't be it. That can't be the reason. That's and, not right. Yeah, that's, that's not right. I, I, yeah. I got it figured out, you know. Yeah. But, and so they just ask the question because they already have an uh, answer in their head, then they're just looking for you to, to validate that answer. Yeah. And, and instead of saying, you know what, maybe that I don't know what's going on. Maybe, maybe I, they do, and they have a better look view of me um, and what's what's holding me back, and so I think just vulnerability in that aspect is what's going to help p- 
people, you know, take their game to the whole nother level. And you can look at successful people in any in industry, and they, I guarantee, they they have people in their life that they are vulnerable with, and that they trust. That they maybe they have a mentor that that knows everything about them that that's helping them get to where they want to be, or it can be a coach, or it can be a spouse, or anybody. Uh, but there's somebody in their life who is giving them an objective view of themselves and saying, hey, like, you got this big blind spot here. You need to get control of it. And they actually listen and they don't just brush it off and say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think I'm trying to connect this just with the environment we're in. Yeah. I'm trying to connect it with the wad. And what I've figured out in my life, maybe you guys could confirm this, is that I, I push away from vulnerability because of fear. And here's how it works out in a workout. There's a particular movement that just I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, maybe I'm the only guy that that happens to, but I'm like, man, this movement just makes me really nervous. Well, if I don't share that with somebody, the first way I'm going to fix that is just cut the prescribed weight in half. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, everybody does that, right? But if I open up to a coach and say, man, I'm, I'm having a little bit of anxiety about this particular movement, what do you think I should do? You know, Then a coach is gonna, who knows you is going to be able to say, all right, I see that. I could have predicted that. Um, and I know, based on my knowledge of you, if I should push you through that mm -hmm. or I should roll back a little bit, we're not going to cut the weight in half, but we're just going to change the movement slightly, and then we'll get on down the road. And that movement is usually a building block to get less afraid of the thing that's caused me fear. But most of the time, though, you're going to go to a coach, and it's going to be something that you you have a mental block about or it's just something you can't do, and say, I don't, I don't, feel, I don't think I can do this weight. Yes, you can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A good coach is gonna say, "Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You're yeah. doing that." And that you know, there's there's stories of guys who who do single unders for a year and a half, and then you finally go up to them and say, "You're not doing single unders in a workout anymore. You're you're doing double unders in this workout, and I don't care if it takes you all day." But you, the coach knows it's not gonna take, take them all day, all day because because yeah. the coach has seen them. They can string them together. They're gonna do it. They're yeah. a lot better at it. But it's that that fear that they have, like. I'm going to be exposed by doing this movement. I'm going to, it, it, they're holding on to this crutch of holding back, and a good coach is going to be able to say, no, you're better than that. You, you, it's time for you to get out of your comfort zone and time to push. And those are the, some of the most rewarding moments for us as coaches when we see that come into fruition and we see somebody do something that we knew they could do, but they didn't know that they could do. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and that's so cool because like their eyes just light up like, wow. I can't, I can't believe, believe it. it. Yeah, yeah. You know? But the key to that whole scenario is the athlete – being vulnerable mm -hmm. and opening up the conversation. And for every time there's there's an athlete that comes and asks a coach, what do you think I should do? There's 10 times when the athlete just drops the weight without saying anything and hopes the coach doesn't notice or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, it's a lot easier to do that. Than and I'm not saying it's always good to go heavier in the weight. A lot of times it's sure, better to drop the weight. But yeah. there are instances where it's like, man, you've been – You've been you've been doing this this seventy five pounds on this movement for two years now. It's time for you to to, to bump it up a little bit. You're strong <laughs> enough to do it. Two know? years. Yeah. All right. So I'll admit something to you guys. This is this will be pretty funny to y'all. But uh, when I first came into Coyote, I just had this block over the fifty three pound kettlebell. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, that that thing just looks gigantic. There's yeah. no way. There's no way I could swing that and then do anything afterwards. So I went to the, the 35 pounder, you know, over and over and over again. And finally a guy comes up to me and he says, are you gonna swing that 35 pounds the rest of the time you work out here? I was like, you know what? You need to get out of my space yeah. and work out. You know, so I, you, I responded with a little bit of anger, but he said, you know, once you pick that up, you won't ever pick the 35 pound up again. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so he gave me that little 
that challenge and he moved in sometimes this is something we can point out here sometimes other people have to create that environment where vulnerability is okay mm -hmm. uh, back to those belonging cues you got to send those cues a little bit for someone else to know all right it's safe for me to be vulnerable there mm -hmm. you know? and a lot of that is, is you being vulnerable too a good coach I think also is gonna say yeah man I, I remember I used to, I struggled taking some steps up sometimes it's gonna be difficult you may not finish first on the whiteboard today but you're going to defeat something that you've been fighting for two years. We're going to get through these double mm -hmm. You know, we're going to get through these double unders today. So we've established what vulnerability uh, isn't. We've talked about what it is. We're getting into a little bit of how it affects your fitness. But let's talk about this this big thing. It's not just about a particular wide or a particular movement that, that scares you. It really is the key to making progress in fitness at all, we would say, vulnerability. Is. Yeah, I think where it's where the growth for the vulnerability side is working for me right now is like the biggest roadblock I have in CrossFit right now and what pulled me away from it so much is because I just couldn't get over it was the, the completely in my own head competitive nature of CrossFit where I'm competing with everyone else that's doing this wide uh -huh. when no one else <laughs> gives a rip yeah. about what I'm doing. They're right all in their now. own headspace. Yeah. 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 But that's because I, I had that fear because I wasn't tight with anyone that I was in this wad with. I, you know, they were just other people doing the same movement as me, and by gosh, I'm going to beat them. Mm -hmm. But, like, what that's not doing me any good because, like, you know, if I don't beat them, I'm just going to get dejected. Yeah. And even when, like, I completed that entire wad, you know, prescribed. Yeah. That's a win. Right. Big but win. but I can't get past that competitive side of it because that's just going to – there's not going to be any victories that come from that. And vulnerability will solve that if you – you know, make the push to get to know the people that you're doing this journey with. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's a it's a shame if you don't get to know the people that are doing this and pushing towards this same goal as you. You know, the, one they're going to hold you accountable for what it is. Like if you're if you're open about what it is that you're trying to do, people are going to tell you. You know, hey, you're not going to get there with that 35 pound kettlebell. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Chris shoved a 53 pound day one in front of me, and I'm a little <laughs> upset that there was another option. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just the, the vulnerability side of it, honestly, is the ticket to a lot of the struggles that you're going to have when it comes to your fitness. It's not, you know, it's not just, you know, snatch specific. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing we were talking about before we turn on the mic for the episode is a lot of vulnerability is being willing to fail publicly. Yeah. Yep. You know, showing that weakness. And if we're so guarded and armored that we can't show weakness, then how are we ever going to get better at what we're trying to do in here? You know. It's so funny how we are so afraid to fail in front of other people, but when we do, it makes everybody else feel so much closer to us and, yeah. and care so much more about us. And then, you know, you always talk about the person who finishes last in the workout gets the loudest cheers. Right. And you see it at competitions, like the per the you know the person who's like crying on the ground, like they can't get that rep, and then they get that one rep and. You know the crowd just goes crazy, crazy yeah. for them, yeah. Yeah. and then everybody's like, "Man, who was that? That is so cool! Like that—that that was so inspiring that 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 person fought through that." And in our heads, we build it up to, "Man, if I fail this this snatch in front of all these people, like I'm gonna be so embarrassed. They're gonna be like, I can't believe he couldn't lift this much weight.' But nobody cares about that, and yeah. it's that's the that's the vulnerability trick that we trick ourselves into thinking if I'm vulnerable, it's gonna make everybody." Um, not like me or reject me when in reality it's going to make everybody closer to me and what's going to keep everybody far away from me is going to be uh, that person who who can 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 
when we can be vulnerable with them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, that's the whole thing about it. I mean, you say our vulnerability is going to cause us to be closer. Well, one of the huge things about uh, CrossFit as a as a genre of fitness is you're required to fail in front of people on a regular basis. You know, one thing that we've set up in our culture is that if you're if you're not failing, you're not trying. Yeah. I mean, if we say we're going to get you know a heavy set of three, or we're going to get a ninety percent or one rep max or something, well, if you're always the guy that's stopping at a safe weight, mm -hmm. you know, meaning for you like, oh, this feels safe for me. I don't mean like physical yeah. safety then you're never going to get any better. You're, you are establishing your own ceiling mm -hmm. because of your resistance or vulnerability. What, what's just so intriguing to me is, this is exactly true what you're saying, Hunter. When I see someone else fail, I'm like the first guy over there to help them rack the weight again mm -hmm. and say, oh man, it looked like you had that. And you, you, know, you start giving that encouragement. But we don't feel like we'll, we'll get that same thing in return. We convince ourselves we're just going to be a huge disappointment. Like, I mean, people play this out. Like, Hunter's going to walk over and say, listen, man, we're really trying to build a winning culture here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have high expectations, and you can't meet them. Yeah, yeah. You know? So we're going to refund your money. You don't belong here. Yeah, you don't belong here. It never goes that way. No. It never goes that way. But, you know, playing it safe is such an attractive thing because it allows us to not be vulnerable. So this is why we're saying... Vulnerability is at least one of the three hinges that your fitness door swings on. You've got to be able to be vulnerable because then you're going to push yourself to that point of failure. Then you're going to be further integrated into the community, and the, the sky's the limit. You know? Yeah. yeah we, the, getting back to what you said a second ago, you know, the, the learning zone is that zone that's just a little bit out of our, our area of competence. Like if we're lifting weights, it's just out of reach of something that we know we can do. And so... That's the area that we gotta spend most of our time on in, but it has to be a safe environment where it's okay to fail. And I use the handstand walk example all the time. Like, if you wanna learn how to handstand walk, like, you, you can't just kick up and go straight handstand walking first. You gotta work on your handstands against the wall and then freestanding handstands or, or pull your feet off the wall a little oh, yeah. bit off, off the, and then you do shoulder taps and then you start walking a little bit and then you start going to 10 feet and then you know it's a it's a gradual progression yeah. what, but you're going to be failing over and over and over again and way past the learning zone would be if you just kick up and start trying to handstand walk kick up and fall down yeah eventually you'll learn how to handstand walk but it's going to be with a really bad technique and it's not going to be you're not going to be that efficient at it but if you if you build in progressions where you're constantly just a little bit out of your reach out of your comfort zone um, you're going to continually make progress and that goes for anything uh, in the weightlifting example you're so right like you need to be failing reps every now and then I'm not mm -hmm. saying you need to fail every now and then but there's people in this gym who hadn't failed a rep in five years yeah and yeah. and and uh, they're in every single gym and they're they're the ones that are never making progress uh, or a whole lot of progress because they're scared to push themselves out they're scared to fail but what happens is say you're going for a rep and you fail and everybody you have to get somebody to help you pick the bar back up what happens if you go for that weight again? Everybody in that class is going to be watching for you and cheering for you to hit it because they know, like, man, they're really going for it here. They're pushing themselves. You know, whether consciously or subconsciously, they realize that you are going and 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 putting it all out there on the line, right, and you're yeah. going for it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the. I think that might be one one of the reasons people love watching the max events so much at CrossFit competitions because they see people fail and get back up and try again, yeah. and then. Man, if somebody fails and fails and then they hit it, man, it's an eruption. Like, they, they could hit the lightest weight of anybody in the field, yep. but if they fail twice and then hit it, I guarantee you everybody's going to be talking about that. They're not going to be talking about the guy who lifted the most weight in one try. They're going to be talking about the yep. guy who failed twice and then did it. 
the third time because everybody can relate to that. And so just <clears throat> realizing that putting yourself out there is going to be what gets you to make progress. Yeah, that's it, man. I think wrapping up this part of the conversation to be able to say vulnerability isn't weakness. It's actually courage. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think just giving people this, this cue of when they get to that learning zone, they're on the edge of it and they're trying to make a decision, do I go for this or do I not? Do not let the fear of failure be that thing that holds you back from making that progress. Mm -hmm. I mean, just it'll it'll kill the journey every time, every time. So we're encouraging people inside of their fitness journey, but as we do here on the podcast a lot, also in their life journey, commit to vulnerability. Find some people you can be vulnerable with in that safe place that you mentioned, Hunter, a lot a lot uh, tonight. But making sure that you have those environments where it's going to lead to growth because you have the ability to be vulnerable. So leading into a, a really vulnerable discussion uh, for uh, Outside the Box Evening Edition, right? So, <laughs> that was a little creepy. We're leading into discussing Outside the Box Disney remakes that we were actually surprised by. No shame. No, no shame. shame. Disney is great. Let's Disney is great. Let's be Disney, vulnerable. Disney plus Pixar is great. Disney yeah, plus so. Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Which, speaking of books, we need to read that Pixar book and discuss that. I read it. It was amazing. Man. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I love Pixar. There's no time. All right. So yeah, you were talking about like the remake. We're talking about not remakes, only the remakes, right? but that the remake it surprised us. Because here's what happens with remakes. Let's admit this. You're like, there's no way. This is going to be as good as the original. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just all it's going to do is make me angry, and I'm not going to see it because you just get, you get emotionally connected. <laughs> it's kind of like the same thing as the book versus the movie. Like this was not in the book. Exactly, <laughs> it's exactly that scenario. Yeah, I, I've actually had an experience this year. Remake totally surprised me. In fact, I had to stop myself from going. Is it surprise or are we looking forward yeah, to? Yeah, are we doing surprise or look forward to or, or whichever anything. answer? We just talked yeah, about. I, I think either one. Either okay. one. Yeah, just the remake scene. Okay. Which seems to be pretty big right now. Yeah. You know, we're we're big money, big money. But specific yeah. to Disney. Yeah. You want to exactly. make a billion dollars, do a Disney remake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's for, right. For that's sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm gonna lead on this. Okay. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I went with my kids. Like in the first place, they they found out about it was Spotify, which was odd. Mm. Uh, but the soundtrack, just the soundtrack was going crazy. So we went to see Aladdin. Mm -hmm. I've heard great things. I about saw Aladdin. it. Man, you know, because I'm thinking, yeah. this is the reason I want to talk about this first because Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's missing. Yeah. Come on, how do you do? How do you do this without him? Yeah. yeah. How do you do that? But, man, did Will Smith do a good job. He killed yeah. it. Did a really good job. And uh, I think he brought in, like, just enough of the Fresh Prince, mixed it with a little bit of Ali, because he's, like, totally <laughs> jacked in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he just does a great job. But he just he had to go a different direction is what I want to say. He did, yeah. He did. But okay. I will say, you're, listen, you're listening to him, you're watching his sense of humor, and you could tell it kind of felt like he was mentored. By Robin Wood. It's like know? an homage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay a little bit of, of honor to the fact of I know what this guy, this character is supposed to be like. Yeah. But I'm gonna be it in my way. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I thought. Which he's earned the right to. Yeah. Like yeah. Will Smith can come and out there. He said, uh, he turned it down at first. He was like, I'm not doing that. There's no way I can follow Robin Williams. Well, but yeah, then, but then I think they said he could kind of play it how he wanted to, and so he did play it a lot different. Yeah, yeah, he really did. But it was, yeah, it was a great movie. I thought it was awesome. I was, I was surprised that the ratings were not that great. So, uh, seriously, really? Se seriously, wow. yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, tough crowd. Tough, tough crowd. crowd. Yeah. Well, maybe it's this dynamic that we're talking about would lead to that. People weren't giving it a fair. Yeah, shot. a lot of them were yeah. saying, "Well, you just can't, you can't compare to our moments." Which, you know, after I, I, I really liked the movie. I thought it was great. Okay. But Aladdin, the original Aladdin, was my favorite Disney movie of all of them. And I mm. went back and watched, you know, the parts with Robin Williams. It was he's just unbelievable. He's, oh, we yeah. talked about it in the last Carried episode. The movie. He is yeah. his his talent and the stuff he would say and his impersonations and all that stuff is just. Nobody else could do it. It's just mind blowing. He was so good and so funny, and that's he made that movie. The movie was good, but he made it into my favorite Disney movie. And so, you know, it, Will Smith was different. He, he was yeah. no Robin Williams, obviously, but it was different. Yeah. But the whole movie, it was great. Yeah, it really was. It was a phenomenal movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was. I've, I've been impressed by all the Disney remakes so far. They, yeah, they've done a really good job on all of them. I yeah. thought they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. So I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, Aladdin. I, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. um, I just have, you know, younger kids. Well, they're not actually that young, but they were looking forward to seeing it, so yeah. I went with them. And uh, I was like, man, about halfway through the movie, I thought, I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah, sometimes like, the best movies are the ones you go into with low expectations. Yeah, yeah this is this is surprising for me. Actually, the same thing happened with the uh, the animated Spider-Man. My kids got me into to oh, see yeah. that one. Boy, what a great movie. Mm. Off subject, though. All right, so for you, Disney. Me? Yeah. Uh, so mine's a looking forward to. All right. There's a little bit of nostalgia to it and a little bit of nerding out. The nostalgia side of it, The Lion King, unbelievably yeah. excited oh, for it. Oh yeah. It is like when you're thinking just purely animated, like drawing out the the animations Disney. I don't know how you beat it. Obviously, Aladdin competes because Wago Robin Williams is ace and hole. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Lion King is kind of crown jewel for Disney a lot when it comes to my perspective on it. The nerd side of it. Have you guys seen these graphics for this movie? Uh, no. People no. saw teasers. I saw the preview, but I was like, people it's... saw teasers for this movie and said, "Oh yeah, it's live action. They're doing a live action remake of of The Lion King." And we all said, "Oh cool, it's freaking all animated. It's right. all done in the computer." Wait, and, I thought and I thought it was like Aladdin. It's not. I did too. I no, it is it all one hundred percent computer whoa, CGI. It's crazy. And I'm gonna lose my mind the whole movie. It's probably gonna be a plus <laughs> just because I'm so excited for it. Actually, I I'm scared so to say you're it. I, you're eating popcorn next to someone. You're like, I'm just here for the CGI. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here for the CGI. But you just gotta spit out some nerd terms. Right? You see that? Blah 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 blah. So they rendered this like, in 40, and it had, you know, Chase is gonna rate. be talking this four year old like, you see that frame rate right there? Hakuna like, Matata. Right? Whatever. Um, I I think it will already be out by the time this episode releases. Uh, so hopefully I've already seen it, but yeah. this is me telling future Chase. You know, <laughs> you're gonna love Chase, this. It's gonna be great. Just prepare yourself. You know, take your wife. She'll be excited as well. It's gonna be a great night. Man, how do you top that? Ugh. I don't know. I don't know. I you know I I think I've enjoyed the Latin the most of all of them so far. Lion King is one of was when they announced all these. Lion King was the one I was most looking forward to. I think yeah. all of them. Um, be vulnerable with you guys for a bit. When I was when <laughs> I was you. growing up, my mom had the Disney uh, soundtrack, like best of Disney songs soundtrack, and we'd listen to it in her car. So I know like all the words to all the Disney songs. <laughs> and so we went and saw Beauty and the Beast when it came out, the new one, and I knew all the words to that one. And I was like, this is this is pretty good. I, like it. I know. I'll tell you what. I think did we talk about Gaston before on the show? Yeah, we, 100%. Gaston's like my favorite character of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so he's beautiful. like the only person on the earth that said, "You know Gaston." That Gaston, dude, that dude is the one. 
<laughs> I cannot recover. All I can all I can picture in my mind is a poster hanging up at Coyote. It's got Gaston's yeah. body, Hunter's face on it. It's like goals. All right, no, I'm I'm on it. I'm, I'm on it. We can make that happen by tomorrow. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Aladdin was 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 my favorite so far. It's been awesome. Uh, awesome movie. I'll probably watch it again when it comes out on on DVD. And then, yeah. but Lion King is definitely the one I'm looking to, forward to the most. And I didn't know that it was all CGI. So I didn't either. Crazy man. I, man. I, when I saw the the preview, I thought they were doing just like they do with Aladdin. I yeah. Like, no. Whoa. So it's photorealistic. So it's meaning they're using uh, like stuff from the world and like kind of modeling, Manipulating. really yeah, close yeah. to the. So it's not like meant to look like animated. Like they're trying really hard to like. Still, copy paste from the world it's impressive yeah, yeah yeah but i'll watch all of them i'm excited to watch all of them yeah. oh they take my money man did you see the 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 meme not too long ago and it was a picture of all the movies that are playing right now and it was like tricks on y'all y'all are in the 90s again or something like that <laughs> it was like six movies that all came out in the 90s like oh, toy man. story 4 and child's play and something else it's like they're just oh, remaking, they're remaking all the 90s Killing movies me. again yeah. hey, worse than that people are walking around dressed like it's the 90s they are yeah. I'm like, yeah. what is there's so many frosted tips going around on these white kids with long Look, hair you, hey hey who are ben, you been five more years in your jinkos you can pull them back out of the closet <laughs> Yeah, you think I saved that chain on my wallet, you know what I mean? Like, before we know it, the underground's going to open back up at the end of the It's so crazy how everything just goes in cycles. Yeah, no, no doubt. So uh, The Birkenstocks are back in style. People were I feel like we left the 80s really fast. We did like 2010. We should have. We oh, what? Gosh, it's yeah. about the best. I'm Look, scared hey, for 90s there, You know, there's a, there's, a, there, speaking, there's a DeLorean that drives around Madison. There is, there, yeah. It's awesome. There's a guy that, that bought <laughs> a, a DeLorean Avenue and he, all the time. redid it. Yeah. It looks great. It's tiny. Oh, the thing man. is, if that if that car hadn't been in the movie, it'd be the ugliest car on the planet. Uh, because freaking uh, Matthew Matthew J. Fox cruised to the future Michael, with it. Michael. Michael. Fox, God. Yeah. Matthew, uh, Matthew Fox is from Lost. Matthew J. Fox. <laughs> All right, so I just had something uh, run through my mind. I think one of our next episodes should be Life Lessons from Back to the Future. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, could, that could be a The first one, I don't, I don't want to talk about three. Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Honestly. That that's one of those. So remakes different than sequels. Yeah. Sequels dangerous territory. Did we right? we did sequels though, not yeah, the box that right? We did, Best yeah. sequels. We did yeah. sequels. Very right? a very few times they will yeah. like they'll win the day. Terminator. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think we did have that episode. All right, so Lion King. So our, we're all telling our future selves we should buy a ticket to this this movie. Maybe we do a live podcast after we all watch the Lion oh, King yeah, together yeah. during the Lion King. Oh my gosh, then we get sued. It'd be great. <laughs> All right, so we're to the uh, our favorite part of this this podcast thing we do with the recommends, recommends. I actually have a recommend. Wow! Since you set the nerdy trend for this episode, yeah. Um, I am recommending the Apple Pencil. Oh yeah, there you yes. go. Yes, it's one of the like when I first saw it, I'm like, what a stupid. And I, I have this problem when Apple comes out with something. But new. Ben, isn't just a glorified stylus? Yeah, like stylus. Who uses a stylus anymore? <laughs> Man, th this turns your iPad into the smartest thing you've ever. Played. I have seen it. It's it's impressive. Yeah, it really, really is. is. Oh, like I've seen yours. Yeah, work being able to like. capture your thoughts and uh, all that kind of stuff, especially if you're a note taker or yeah. a heavy reader, you want to jot some stuff down. Or at your job, you have to prepare for meetings. You don't want to sit down and type all that crap out. You just pull out your Apple Pencil, jot that stuff down, and then you know you have the option. You're either going to save these thoughts forever because they're digital. Or you just delete it and move on. So uh, it's a little bit of an investment. I think the new Apple Pencil is a little north of 100, 120 bucks maybe. 
So I think people will shy away from it for that reason, but it's it's worth the money. Yeah, but well they bought some goofy looking AirPods at the end of the year. So yeah, really, really, yeah. This, so it, it's not a stylus; it's an Apple pencil, and it will change your life. There's my recommend. Very cool. Cool. Did I recommend uh, Mastery the book? No, you, you. We were talking off mic about the uh, the author who's who's uh, impacted. Green. Uh, Ryan Holiday. A yes. Lot, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I picked up that book and it seemed really intimidating. Which one? Mastery. Oh uh, no, it's not. It's not super intimidating. But it <laughs> says this guy. I've been. Well, <laughs> I've been. Look, I started reading. I read his Forty Eight Laws of Power, and then I was just blown away. It's just like a whole other level as far as research, and I just loved it for the historical facts. Like every single law, he had like a. a example from history and he also had an example from history of somebody not following the law um and so he has all the all throughout different oh, parts wow. of history and so it's like a, a history lesson all mixed in with and so he's basically withdrawing all these principles um of power from different parts of history and putting them all together and it's just so fascinating but mastery is just basically the study of what what makes somebody a master at something and it's it's just phenomenal he he's just he he's one of my favorite authors already, and yeah. so I've, like he's one of the you know every now and then you run into an author where you read one of their books and you just want to, you just order all the rest Good. of the books yeah, yeah. and so uh, Ryan Holiday is one of those guys and then uh, Robert Greene is Ryan Holiday's mentor and so Robert Greene and Ryan Holiday always, always talks about like Robert Greene is one of the best nonfiction writers in ever and so I've just been been blown away by that so I'm next I'm reading his. Uh, War, which is thirty-eight laws of thirty-three laws, laws of war, I think, and then yeah. he came out with one this year or last year. I can't remember if it was this year or last year. Uh, the laws of human nature, which I'll read next. Um, but and he also wrote a book with Fifty Cent, which is like one of the <laughs> but it's seriously like one of the craziest one of the craziest combinations because this dude is just like the uber like like Genius. typical er, yeah. nerd yeah. looking guy, yeah. and then he com combines with Fifty Cent to write a book. That's but, funny. Uh, but mastery. Um, mastery has a red and blue cover. Is that right? It's got a big M on the no, cover. No, uh, mastery has a is a black and yellow cover. His red and blue cover is his newest book. Okay, the laws okay. of human nature. But uh, I would check out any. I think I, did, I recommend Forty Eight Laws of Power already. But I would recommend any book of his. Uh, but it it really is mind blowing when you start seeing the amount of research he puts in all this stuff, and uh, he backs everything he says up with lots of lots of examples. So um, it's just cool. It's just a fun read. Yeah. So. I, you gotta have something, Chase. I mean, I do have something. Bring the thunder. Oh, this is gonna really, really hurt some feelings, but I mean it when I say it. You're gonna throw your Keurig away, all right? <laughs> and you're gonna buy yourself a pour over, all right? Get okay. you some nice Chemex filters, buy you some whole bean coffee, and get yourself a grinder. And you're gonna make and brew your own cup of coffee Real in the coffee. mornings, because it's the best way to start a morning. There's no better way to start a morning. You owe it to yourself if you you're a coffee yourself. drinker. You're about doing that. Uh, he does the French press. You can get a French do, press yeah, if I you want. Yeah, I do the French press. Right now, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go with the burr grinder. I get lots of, like, you should, but I'm just you hesitant should. to spend the money. But I feel like I should. I as like much as you make coffee and as much as you're starting to appreciate it, yeah. it's worth doing. Yeah. So, all right. So, <laughs> your recommendation is to throw away your curing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that's a good start, honestly. You yeah. Then go it is, it's bad coffee. It I mean, really it, is. In a, in a pinch. Yeah. You know. In a pinch, and you've been stuck in the DR for a few days with that <laughs> coffee. You're like, I just, I need something, please. That's fantastic. The cure will work. Yeah. But there's better ways out there. Did you? Are you still drinking the cups coffee? Yeah. Yeah. 
I do, yeah. The um, well, the, the flavor, yeah, the blueberry cinnamon. Man, mm. it's so good. Yeah, they they really do. Have, I think they have the best coffee. Yeah, do you, they do. do you they Cubs do flavored coffee, coffee I really I think well. Cubs coffee is disgusting. Have I you have, had their flavored coffee before? I don't like flavored. You're gonna lose everything on me. You're gonna oh, find man. me pretentious. So <laughs> I don't. I don't like flavored coffee. Yeah. Look, I have a lot of people that are very uh, snobby about their coffee, and then they have that flavored coffee, and they they change their tone. Yeah, real quick, Southern man. pecan or the blueberry cinnamon. From blueberry Cubs cinnamon is local. My Local coffee shop here. There's one in Oxford too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would know because you've been on, yeah, you've been there yeah. a lot recently. I guess I shouldn't roast a local. Yeah. So what's <laughs> your what's your favorite uh, favorite coffee? Let's just get out there with it. Uh, it really, if I'm splurging, uh, something th- something from Methodical is really good. Counterculture is something you can get at like Whole Foods or something if you want to go pick something up in the store. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you my favorite one because the place that I buy it from keeps it in such low stock. <laughs> and if so, if people start buying it, You're I'm never gonna, yeah, yeah oh, I'm never gonna have it. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. So I, I'll just go general. I just like a good Kona coffee. Uh, yeah, I do know that about just you. One of those guys yeah. that and I, I guess it's cliche or something. I don't know, but wow. And I and I will settle for a Kona blend, but I, I have a friend of mine that supplies me a couple times a year with a bag of pure Kona coffee. Man, it's like heaven. But I'm not putting that in, in in a plastic coffee maker so that it tastes like hot plastic. We're gonna we're gonna go the French press route for sure. So. What about espresso machine? You ever use one of those? I love espresso. That's espresso. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I I don't go that far. Like I'm kind of like a, a like really a old man with my coffee. You don't put espresso. In yeah, it? no, no. The the French press thing. That's like that's enough for me. You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm I not gonna that. go down the rabbit hole. But I agree with you. I will uh, validate your recommend. Thank you. That is, it is I'll t- validate you as a I man. I think I need to take my coffee game to the next level and start start making. I'm surprised it. you haven't. Honestly, it yeah. feels like something you would have done. Start with it, the French press. You'll yeah, it. it's just uh, it's just a lot of work, and I'd just rather go to Cups and get the get the flavor coffee. <laughs> but once you start getting like it's just like anything else, you start to take seriously. Once yeah. you start to have an appreciation for it, and you make your own coffee, and you can make a good cup of coffee, yeah, it's mm. just a little bit of dusting off your shoulder. It's, <laughs> that's it's nice. It really yeah. is. Fits in nicely with the morning routine we focus on around here a lot too. So. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's like being able to make a good Manhattan bright and early in the morning. <laughs> what no better way to start my to next go. recommend is to throw away your french press and <laughs> fix a manhattan early in the morning so here's what we're going to do to wrap up this episode we're going to ask our listeners to like rate and share when you say like what do you what is like yeah so you can like bing, you know you can like the you can give it ratings you can also let people know that you like it I i'm just talking like about social is. share oh okay gotcha yeah, i thought yeah. apple had done something new and i didn't no, no, know about no. it. i'm just talking about social share yeah you definitely and should rate it and leave a comment yeah definitely leave a comment because we're talking about some pretty fascinating stuff here that we feel like is helpful yeah but other people won't know about it unless people tell them so this is what we're asking our listeners to do this week after this episode wraps in just a moment to be able to uh share that and say hey these guys are up to something Wait.